Good evening and welcome to another episode of The Real Forno Show. Today, we are going to be talking about a few things. Kellen Mond, his quest for QB2, Garrett Bradbury not having wrapped up the starting center position, and the Vikings' power rankings. One analyst from USA Today has them way lower than most would have predicted. We're going to discuss all of that and more tonight on The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge. Contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire. Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks. And founder of Substack Run and Shooter. As well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler. And with me, as always, Mr. Dave in the producer's chair. Dave, how are you, sir? I am doing great this wonderful Monday. Yeah, me too. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. And at the very end, we're going to give a brief preview of this weekend's preseason game. But first, we're going to talk about Kellen Mond because there's been a lot of discussion. Everybody knows my opinion on Mond. I love the process of the pick, taking a developmental guy. I just think Mond stinks. And we're kind of seeing some of those instances. And one that I'm going to talk about here today is something that I, Dave, I sent you a tweet on. And the, mm-hmm. it was a rough one. Just just a quick throw out to the flat. It's one of those stupid throws that you make playing like NCAA 14 or Madden. Oh, I don't think the linebacker is going to get there. Oh, he gets there and he gets the interception. And just a rough spot. Being that he was a four-year starter at Texas A&M, now it's his second year in the National Football League, this really isn't something that you should be seeing from your quarterback at this point. It's This is why Sean Mannion has been the guy. This is why Mannion's been the backup, because Mond has these struggles. He does not see the field very well. He struggles with progressions. And when you make interception throws into the flat on a route to your running back, that is a major red flag, Dave. Well, and it... When you look at the clip, you can see that his ball placement is not exactly where you want it to be either. Mm-hmm. It's low. It looks like it's a little bit behind. And there's no way. Uh, running back in the flat, you need to lead them, right? You mm-hmm. need to drop it basically over their shoulder. They'll look, turn around, and they'll look. But you need to lead them. And the only time you do not place the ball there is if a defender is up and you need to switch it to the other side so you keep the receiver between the ball and the defender. Neither mm-hmm. of those things happened in that clip that uh, Vikings.com was nice enough to put out. Yeah, and really unfortunate for Mond that Vikings.com just decided to absolutely eviscerate him with that awful throw. It wasn't even a great interception like, hey, uh, the one that got tweeted out with Kirk Cousins throwing that interception to Andrew Booth Jr. when he was covering Justin Jefferson. Relatively impressive for him to undercut it. And you could argue that there's miscommunications with with Jefferson and Cousins because it felt like Cousins was trying to lead him inside. Didn't happen, and Booth made a really good play. This is just bad. Like The linebacker's in good position, but there's nothing special about it. Mon just threw up a nice booty. And <sighs> yeah, but what are you going to tell well, people that say it's well? That was just one pass. 
Oh, of course it's just one pass, but I, I let's put it this way. Imagine a chef, all right, make, makes food all the time, knows how to do stuff. Imagine him um, overcooking microwaved popcorn. Microwave popcorn is easy. Everybody knows how to do it. It's super easy. Imagine him paying attention to the microwave popcorn and then intentionally burning it. That's kind of what this is. This is one of the easiest things a quarterback can do. You know where the ball needs to go when you make that kind of throw. It's got to be to the outside shoulder. Two, if there's a guy draped all over him, you cannot make that throw. You you have to be smart. These are elementary things that a quarterback is supposed to be able to do. And not not doing them with any kind of success is a very frustrating thing. It's just... Honestly, a nice projection of what you're going to see moving forward from on. If you see these things now, like you shouldn't have been seeing these things his second year of college as a starter, let alone second year in the National Football League. A really big red flag. One of the reasons why Mon is in the position he's in, fighting for a quarterback two battle that should have been his last year. And now here we are. Like, who's to say Mon even makes the team at this point? Hey. Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but like this is where we're at with Oh, you know, tonight they're having the nighttime practice. They'll split reps, more game time Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, So, and we'll see what comes out out of that. Maybe he's more of a gamer. I don't think that's the case, but we will find out. I do believe that he and Mannion, even though. They're serviceable camp arms. I do not believe that they are quality backup quarterbacks. However, finding a quality backup quarterback, especially at this late date, as we're rolling into our first preseason game of the season, is going to be tough because there's not that many people out there that you would consider quality, and those are our that are already locked up on other teams. So what's the possible solution? Possible solution is dump Mond and let's get a quarterback next year. That, that I like, I genuinely don't know because like one of the reasons I love Davis Mills last year, and I'm going to, we're going to kind of go down this rabbit hole for a minute and why I absolutely hated taking Mond over him was Mond was a 40 played in 47 games, started 44 of them. Davis Mills played in 11. And when you watch them as far as a film grade, I had Mills higher. And Mills has a big arm. He's not the most mobile guy in the world. He's a very, very pocket passer type. But he's really good, and there was a lot of room to grow. With Mond, where was the room to grow? He was a, he started 44 games in the SEC, which is the closest thing you're going to find to NFL competition. He never really improved. That, like we're talking about a guy who is here and went up to here. Like when you see it on the screen, like I didn't move my hand very much. It's like you're drafting a guy that has almost no upside. And the fact that we heard that he was like, there were people fighting between him and fields. Like, I don't get it. Like <laughs> fields showed excellent strides. He showed progression. He showed growth. Mond really didn't. Well, and then you have Davis Mills, who has a very high ceiling because he has so little actual game experience. 
And he's got that big arm. You can coach that. You can teach that and work with it. Mold it like clay. And there's a reason why a third-round pick in Davis Mills is your starter in year two, and Kellen Mond is fighting for a backup job. The process is great. Take young quarterbacks, try to develop them. But within that process, you have to be smart at who you take. The skill set Mond provides is awesome. The growth potential does not exist because of everything that we've seen. Yeah, but you know in the NFL, there's some talent departments or some coaches that say, I can unlock that. He's got the prerequisite arm. He can throw Mm -hmm. a long, hard ball, right? He's got the Absolutely. He's got the build that you want in a quarterback. He's got the ability to run in a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the processing. That's what we're hearing all this uh, camp is that he's slow at processing things. Maybe Rick Spielman saw something in him and thought that could be adjusted and made good. Maybe Kevin O'Connell now thinks the same thing. But he's going to have to get into that mode where he's thinking strategically on where to place the ball, where he's thinking tactically on this is happening right now. I've got to do this and do it real time, not the delay, not the fallback. Hold, 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 hold. I'm not seeing what I want. Hold, hold, hold. Oh, mm-hmm. I've got to run, right? Because you're holding it too long. He's He needs to learn that. Whether he has the ability to, Rick Spielman, when he drafted him, obviously thought that he had the possibility of doing that. Well, the new administration, and will KOC think so? We haven't seen that. We may see a little progress. We'll wait. I'll wait till see what happens on Saturday against the Raiders to see if there's a marked improvement over what we saw last year, which was horrible. And to see, is there a step? Could he take more with the right coaching? Is the coaching coming in and helping him? Because we know what we've gotten, Sean Mannion. So it's, I think it's, pardon me, I think it's going to be a wash mm-hmm. and we're not going to get anything and we got to rely on Kirk Cousins staying healthy again. So I, I'm going to say this, Dave, you mentioned earlier in that soliloquy there that, you know, coach is probably like, Hey, I can unlock this guy. You know, th- that's a really good point. And it's something I, I want to mention because this is why coaches should not run personnel departments. Because you're going to talk yourself into players, and you need somebody to help balance that out. This is why like marriages can work really, really well. Because hey, uh, husband has a really good idea, wife like keeps him level headed. All right, because like hey, maybe it's a little too ambitious. Maybe it's something that really doesn't make a lot of sense. And then that symbiotic relationship can really help. Um, the same with like a parent child relationship. Kid has all these aspirational dreams and parents are like, Hey, go for it. But let's also be realistic. Like you may not be able to be an astronaut, but maybe you can work for NASA. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's reasons why coaches shouldn't be running personnel departments because coaches have a different mindset than front office structures. Some coaches can make a successful transition to the front office world and not have to worry about it. But coaches are thinking, Hey, 
this is a ball of clay. I can mold them. This is how I can do it. I can go this, 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 and this. And the personnel department needs to tell you, hey, you may think you can do this, this, and this. Here's why you can't because there are limitations here, here, and here, and they're not going to be able to reach the potential you believe that they can. Like There has to be some kind of balancing act. And in my opinion, that balancing act was not met when they took Kellen Mond because there, I don't see an actual track where they can get him to a point. You know, I tried talking myself into it. I really did last year. And I, it, he's, they're just not going to be able to do it. And I think we're seeing why with throws like this, with inconsistencies. And it, it's really tough for Mon because he's had such a bad start, getting COVID, losing 25 pounds. You watch the tape and you watch him consistently lack of progress throughout his entire career at Texas A&M. And this is what you get. It's He's a jag. He's going to be a backup quarterback that can maybe win you a couple games. Never going to be more than that. And I think we need to have that realistic expectation and really, really have that conversation. Yeah, but winning a couple games is a couple games more than Mannion will. Yeah. There's value in that. But is Kellen Mond going to give you what Manning does as a clipboard holder? Oh, of course not. Like, yeah, this, like, at a certain point, like, this isn't 1995. You can't just bring in your backup and your backup's going to win you a bunch of games. It's not Randall Cunningham in 98. Like, the backup quarterback has inherently lost value because the whole point of having a great quarterback is to be able to score on that rookie deal and then you end up extending him. There's almost no incentive to develop a backup quarterback in today's NFL. There was back in the day. It's gone away. So if Cousins goes down, the season's shot anyways. Like that, that, that can be your explanation if you decide to cut Kellen Mond. Oh, he's we've already done this. Season's done. Like, I'd rather have the guy who can hold the clipboard. Is it good process? Eh, I don't know. Like you can argue both ways, but that's kind of what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. All right, we've I've, I've uh, been annoyed about Kellen Mond for too long, Dave. Let's move on to our next topic: the round bellies or lack of sand in the pants. Mister Garrett Bradbury continues to get trucked and forklifted throughout practice, uh, losing interior dominating reps. And Kevin O'Connell came out and said earlier uh, this weekend on Saturday afternoon during a press conference that there's still a competition at center. When you have a fourth-year first-round pick that has to be in a competition at center with, one, a guy who doesn't play the position, and two, at best, a journeyman, a guy you could honestly equate to Dakota Dozier in Austin Schlotman. That is a really, really bad sign for, one, the Vikings offensive line, and two, the future of Garrett Bradbury. Now, O'Connell did say in that same press conference that he does believe in Bradbury. But when you say that there's still an open competition and you believe in a fourth-year first-round pick, it's not a good sign. Uh, And our friend of the show, Judd Zolgad, mentioned that in that press conference, he used the word, there is a competition. That's the first time we've seen that or heard that so far in this whole offseason. Because it was always, we like Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury is going to start dot, 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 dot. But since he is getting trucked, Mm -hmm. now there's the need. Now they're moving Reed into play 
and spin him up as fast as they can, right? And they've had Schlotman in there, and it looks like Schlotman's going to be the third guy on that list. Reed's yep. doing better than he is. But it's a shame that, and, he's, and I want to say he said it yesterday, that Bradbury has the strength, he has the talent, but it's a technique issue. And you've heard me, I've said it ad nauseum. When he gets forklifted, he gets pushed back. They use leverage. He plants his feet and gets pushed back. He's in bad technique. Yeah. If he, if the line coaches could teach him and get him out of those bad habits and get him back into good habits, like I see in Ed, Ed Ingram, he may lose some of those deals, but it's going to be slower um, on the push because he'll be, yeah, he may lose ground, but it's going to take time for that interior defensive rush to get there. Right now, it's you get under him, you push him back, you lift him up, and it's done. It's it's literally that quick. Can they teach him in the next few weeks? I, like I said, they're trying to bring Reed up to speed as quick as possible. Yeah. But it's a shame on a guy you picked in the first round to be the answer. And honestly, they forced the pick. Like, What's really frustrating is this team has a history of developing centers. Mm-hmm. Joe Berger, like Matt Burke, John Sullivan, like the Vite, and like Jeff Christie was undrafted. Like they have a history of developing these players. And then all of a sudden you're looking at them and it's like, hey, let's take a guy in the first round. One, not a um, great positional value. Two, like there were better players you could have gotten in the second round at the same position. Eric McCoy and Elton Jenkins have arguably been like 10 times the player, especially in pass protection. They forced it, and you can't force, and you cannot force a need. You have to take talent. You have to take great players. Look, the Vikings in 98 took Randy Moss when they had Jake Reed and Chris Carter both coming off 1,000-yard seasons in an era where the passing game wasn't like prioritized. No, Randy Moss is going to change the game of football. So he took him. Great move. You have to go in with that philosophy. If Bradbury is unequivocally the best player on your board, and if it's a position that's phenomenal, who's going to argue that? But when you have Jeffrey Simmons go the next pick, and then you take Irv Smith Jr., and then A.J. Brown is the next pick. Man, that's, that's a tough look, Dave. Mm-hmm. It's a very frustrating element to how this regime had drafted in the past, and the lack of success for Garrett Bradbury, it's kind of proof in the pudding. But hey, they, it was, we're, the Vikings under Rick Spielman did it twice. They take the the center that wins the top center award in college football. They did it with yeah. Elfline. He was a wash. They did it now with Bradbury. Bradbury he looks to be a wash. See, here's the thing with Elfline, though, Dave. Great process. Third round pick. Like he's got upside. You're not take you're not using a premium asset to go get a non-premium position. And if like Tyler Linderbaum, I think would have been a much smarter pick just because one, he's I mean, he has some similar concerns, but you're talking about a guy with a higher pedigree 
a guy who was absolutely dominant against Big Ten lines, which are not small in college. Like, and I well, think that there's a better that, chance of him progressing. That's when you, as a talent scout, you need to look back, and this is where the coaches do come in handy, look at the technique. What is the technique differences between Linderbaum and Bradbury, right? And if you can see, Linderbaum's got the line, playing the line technique where he's body's in position, feet are moving, shoulders square, he gets under, he has the leverage points, and he maintains that. He moves people. He uses their movement against them. If all that matches up, yeah, you can go with somebody like that and be successful. That mm-hmm. wasn't done with Bradbury. Or if it was, no. it was done poorly, extremely poorly. Same yeah. with Elfline. And uh, it's it's frustrating because you're right. The Vikings have had a long history of very, very, very good centers. And ones you did not have to spend premium capital on and that that to me is the biggest piece of this whole puzzle um but we'll kind of see how it it all shakes up it's it's going to be a very interesting uh training camp and off season trying to figure this out uh let's move on to our our third topic here today power rankings um usa today's nate davis released the batch of power rankings and this is arguably the lowest that i've seen the vikings and he had them and dave you were incredibly pissed when you read this yesterday had them at 17. Now, uh, his discussion point when kind of talking about 17 is, hey, Justin Jefferson has uh, been phenomenal, is like, are they going to be able to take that next step under Kevin O'Connell? That's very fair. 17 is too low. And I'm not the most bullish on the Vikings. I think they are a fringe playoff team. And I think based on what we've seen, I'm very justified in calling them a fringe playoff team. I also think they should be a little higher than this. Fringe playoff team to me, like 13 to 16. I think 17 is just a, a tad too low. I think the offense is going to take a step forward. What will the defense be? <laughs> no freaking clue. Because Zimmer masked a lot of holes, and then injuries really depleted the pass rush, and they were unable to get any form of consistent pressure. And then when they did... They were able to take advantage to get some sacks, but the pressure rates were just abysmal. And they couldn't get off the field on third down, which was a specialty of the defense. It, there were a lot of flaws, but Zimmer was able, he had a really good defense until Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin got hurt. And then everything crumbled. It just is what it is. So is Ed Donatel going to be able to fix that while implementing a new scheme? Then that's, that's a big one. This is a new scheme. It is not a bunch of veterans that, hey, we've played in Zimmer's defense for five, six years, we can help these young guys get up to speed, get acclimated. Guys like Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, they're learning a new system. And when you have to think instead of just react, that is when things go a lot slower. That's when mistakes happen. That's when you get guys going over the top of you. How much is Ed Donatel going to be able to make up for the fact that this is a new scheme? How is he going to be able to make up for the fact that the talent is lacking, especially when it comes to depth? How are all these things going to interplay with each other? It's it's a real question mark, but I still think with how the offense is going to play, it's too low of a spot. At, at number Vikings. 17. Yes, I would throw it out as an outlier. I was seeing teams above the Vikings that it's like, no, if you put the Vikings up against them today, 
there's no way the Vikings lose. And he's got the mm-hmm. entire. And it's – I will throw that one out as an outlier. And most power rankings are pointless anyways. But 17, I mean, I was like, really? you got to be kidding me. No way they're 17th in this league. None. Zero. Yeah. It, it's – A 17th rank – It is what it is. Finishes with maybe six or seven wins. Vikings are better than that. They are. Uh, they are better than that. I completely agree with you, Dave. I, I think that a lot of people in this space, in, within Vikings fandom and a few Vikings analysts, they really need to calm down a little bit and really understand. Vegas still has this as a five hundred team. No, eight and a half it's wins. Gone up. No, it's gone up. There's eight and a half wins at the start of the offseason. It went to nine. It is now, as of last week, nine and a half. What sportsbook? Uh, I would have to look that up. I don't remember, but it's now up to nine and a half. It's one of the big sportsbooks. Vegas Insider, I believe it was. Okay. Well, let's. Let, I'm pulling up DraftKings right now because I had not seen the change. Um, and obviously, there are different odds per sportsbook. Uh, right. DraftKings is. Sportsbook- Sets their own. Yes. Yep. Um, DraftKings is my go-to. Um, t- until somebody wants to sponsor this show, <laughs> I will. I will be using DraftKings. Um, FanDuel is a good one as well, but I like to use the onshore books unless uh, you know I'm indulging myself because you can't get onshore books in Minnesota. Uh, DraftKings has it at nine right now, and I'll be honest, I wouldn't touch. I I, I wouldn't touch it. Not like. Exactly nine is a push. Like, unless you can get it at nine and a half, I would then bet the under. I, I, I can't touch this because there's too much uncertainty, and Vegas is almost always right. And usually, Dave, when that number goes up or down, they're trying to influence the voting. Mm-hmm. They're, sorry, they're trying to influence the bets. Or they're trying to compensate for what they didn't know. And a lot of times they'll, they'll look at sharps. What are the sharps doing? What are the big spenders doing? And a lot of times the, the sharps will see some value and then they'll just attack it. And then the books will adjust. So like, but because of how it was at eight and a half for so long and now it's at nine, I, I think people are just a little too bullish on this team. And I'm, I, I can't touch that bet. This until I'm proven otherwise, Dave. This is a 500 football team. If they win 11 or 12 games, I'll I'll eat crow. Like I'm fine with that. That means that they had a great season, and everything that was talked about and how this team can improve came true. And it's really hard to be mad about that. But right now, it, there's just too much expectation of O'Connell raising everything that was bad and keep that and keeping everything that was good good. That's just not going to happen. How much regression are we going to see in those good areas from last year versus the pro- progression in the bad areas? That balance is going to determine the success of this football team. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Dave, it all starts this Sunday, 325 Central Time. The Vikings play the Las Vegas Raiders in their in first Vegas. preseason game. Yep, they are in Vegas. In that new stadium. Yeah. So for me, the biggest things I'm going to be looking for, I want to be looking at that right guard spot. I want to see Ed Ingram. I want to see Oli Udo. 
And I want to see all these guys rotate in and out and see how they play. I want to see the young receivers and how they interact. Watching Kellen Mond is also going to be big to try and see, hey, like, is there anything? I don't think there is. And we went over that earlier in the show. Um, the defensive backs, how is how are the is that young group going to do? The linebackers, there's a big competition for linebacker four on this roster. Like, there's a lot of things to really look at here, Dave. And we're going to be talking about that on the network throughout the rest of the week, including Dave, it's your first pregame show this weekend. Oh, uh, no, it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> no, because the game's on Saturday. Dave, it's on Sunday. Is it on Sunday? October or August 14th, Sunday. The next pre next two preseason games are on Saturday, okay, but they're both Saturday way. night, so you could still do your show and feel good about it. Oh, you're right. All right. Um, so on Sunday, we will be doing the pregame on Sunday. Darren's on vacation. He's in Nova Scotia, East, okay. Eastern tip of Canada. He has access to internet. And we plan on doing it, but he can't do it Saturday. So we'll do it Sunday. And I thought it was going to be after the game because I was thinking the game was on Saturday for some reason. Cool. Then we might have two shows on Sunday. We'll have the pregame, and then we'll have the postgame. That's cool. I'm going to look at this. Right now the odds are Vikings plus two and a half. If you're betting on a preseason game, You've got money to throw away. I'll give you that much. Because my friends are degenerates. <laughs> I would never change them. There are I too like- many. It's not a real game. And you're betting on, you know, what coach puts in, what, you know, Vikings may run out the first string offense for one series. And then that's it. Done. Then you're then you're looking at how well does Kellen Mond do? How well does uh you know, Listen, the I'll number say this. two quarterback on the Raiders do. And then when do the threes come in? When does Mannion come in? When does the number three on the Raiders come in? What's yep. their level of death, depth? Are there new guys Are they learning new schemes? Are they going to mess it up? It's just my advice, never bet on preseason games. I'll say this. If you're going to bet on, on this preseason game, I'd <clears> bet Raiders minus two and a half for this reason. They already have a game under their belt. Both teams have a new coach, new systems that they're implementing. But because the Raiders already have a game under their belt, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're going to be and they want they're they're going to have a they're going to have a lot more kinks worked out at this point. So if you're going to be bet and be a wonderful, wonderful betting degenerate, Raiders minus two and a half (laughs) is your play. But I also wouldn't recommend betting on preseason games because it's too much of a crapshoot. You can't. You can't pinpoint things that are positives or negatives because you really have no idea what the game flow is going to be. This is why, like, regular season games, oh, you know, we're going to have the offense versus the defense, and we're going to see first stringers the whole time. You can be able to pinpoint, hey, these are the weaknesses, these are what they can attack. You really can't do that with a preseason game because you just don't know so much. But it's going to be a really, really fun time this weekend. Vikings football will officially be quote-unquote, back. Um, Dave, I know that we're going to be having a post-game show every single week throughout the regular season and into the playoffs. Are we going to be doing preseason 
post game shows as well. Because yes. oh, if I have anything to do with it, we're doing it. I'll be on solo if I have to. We'll come on at the well, two minute mark. We'll go live. So we'll be good. able to watch the last two minutes with everybody. We can talk how good it went, how bad it went, who's looking good, who's looking bad. It doesn't matter. We're going to go live at the two-minute mark left in the game every game this season. Dave, it's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, hey, we we appreciate you uh, tuning in. I apologize that this uh, was not live. Today is my wedding anniversary. The wife and I have made it two years. Uh, which, you know, is anytime you make a milestone, it's a pretty big deal and it's a really good thing. So, um, Oh, and you've got another milestone coming. What's that? You're getting a puppy. Yes, we are. Wonderful little Odie. Uh, he's a, is a French bulldog. We pick him up at the end of the month. He's, he is awesome. And I've never had like my own dog before. So this is going to be a really, really fun time. The wife, uh, Wife wanted a Frenchie really, really bad. So first dog is going to be a Frenchie. Commenting. Yes. Yep. Merlin's like, I could eat your dog. I know. <laughs> it's okay. But it it's really excited. I've got pictures all over my Twitter. I just posted a video um, earlier this morning. Um, him trying to play with a, a Bengal cat at um, his current home. Mm. And just looks like a ferocious protector of the kitchen. <laughs> well, it's great. It's, it's it's on that progress. You guys get married. You learn how to take care of plants, then a pet, and then you know what comes after that. Yep. Viking Super Bowl. That's, right. that's what we're here for. That's right. <laughs> In the meantime, thank you. We will be live again next Monday where we'll be talking about the preseason game, continue to give updates on training camp, and breaking down any and all Vikings news throughout the rest of the week. Um, this week, We will have Vikings happy hour on Wednesday. Will we have a Vikings hot takes or a potential kindred skulls episode? We'll have a Vikings hot takes on Tuesday. That's locked in Vikings happy hour on Wednesday. And I haven't heard back from Matt and Tyler on kindred skulls. So. Perfect. Matt and and Nick. Hey, listen, anytime I can be grouped in with those two smart individuals, I'll take it. So um, in the meantime, make sure you catch those out. Make sure you catch Dave's pregame show. Are you doing it Sunday then? We'll do it Sunday, yes. Okay, so make sure you check on that and make sure you keep updated with time to make sure because of Darren's uh, vacation schedule uh, because the time could be a little flexible. So make sure you tune in there and tune in to us around 6.15 on Sunday evening. And that'll be the projected start time of the postgame show or the two-minute warning. So make mm-hmm. sure you tune in then. In the meantime, thank you very much. Um, if you, Sorry we didn't get to any comments because it is a tape show. But feel free to leave them below. Yes. Like, subscribe, comment. We appreciate them all. From Dave, myself, Forno. Have yourself a great week. Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.